All right, and we're live. Uh, welcome everybody to uh, Incoming Chat, the podcast from Live Chat. And we are here with a repeat guest. Uh, today we invited Mr. Alex Wilson, which is our VP of Sales. And the reason why we wanted to invite him again is because it's been a year, if I'm correct, Alex, around a year since he joined with a very specific mission of building a sales team and developing a sales team with high focus in the US, but also for the world. So Alex, welcome. Thank you very much, Marcos. It's awesome to be here, even though we're across an ocean right now. I know. And, now, Thank you. and not only that, you're the first, um, our first guest to be fully remote. We're, we're testing a whole new technology called internet uh, that allow us to, um, I know, I know, allow us to talk to people from far away. It's crazy. Huh. And today we're gonna we're gonna be really focusing on not only the results. Well, I'm not gonna touch much of the results because uh, that's something that we we want to keep private, or you can you know what what you want to share. But it's about also the process, like how how it was to build a sales team from scratch. I mean, you you had people that was already here, sort of part time doing things, but you turned them into the beast that they are right now, and I mean beast in a good way. Dear fellow LinkedIn. Sorry, uh, live chatters. <laughs> Anyways, so Alex, let's go back in time. Let's go back to last uh, October, I think it was. When did you join? October, November? Uh, yeah, December, but the no end of November, December. Yeah. Crazy time. Pre-COVID, at least. Pre-COVID, yeah, it was, a different, it was a different life back then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, we will get into um, some COVID questions soon, like how you how you manage. But that, let, let's go back because I really want to go to the process and how you started this process. Like, I remember we talked and you had all these ideas and the things that you want to do. And like I'm going to focus on these areas. And, and you were aware of the differences that um, uh, cultural differences and, and time differences and whatever. So how was it? What was your first um, your, 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 the first things you did? into like for, for building this amazing team? Uh, I mean, it's a great question. So ultimately the first thing I did was I, I looked at previous results, right? So I think it's, it's quite important to um, December of last year, the Piotrek, the COO and I were looking at what the year prior had had in store. And we weren't just looking at, um, performance from an individual uh, CSM account executive or even like support standpoint, but rather we were looking at it from a, a wider spectrum where, as you know, and maybe some people who are, are logging into this might not be aware of, but we have four brands, right? So we were looking at it from a, a different bird's eye view as to how are things with live chat, chatbot, knowledge base and, and help desk over the last year where are their challenges, where's their weaknesses. And um, that way it's kind of like a triage. So my wife works in the emergency room as a PA and I usually use some type of metaphor to explain things, but I'd say one of the first things to do before you dive into things is to take good look at the situation, right? So it's like a prior, prior medical record, something like that to just baseline, where are we going? So um, before you 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 keep going with the story, um, we have four products, right? It's a live chat, um, chatbot, knowledge um, base, and help desk. Do do you separate your sales team into focusing on each product, or you 
or you train them so well that they know each one of the products like like that? It's a good question. So, so there there's a couple of strategies to build a, a sales org. There's a strategy where you have a sales rep in a geographical territory. You have a sales rep or even a support team or an account management CSM in a uh, industry vertical. You have them on a product vertical, like you were just asking. So <clears throat> with our four products, if I were to do the product vertical, that means I need four reps, each of which would become an amazing professional at their trade, but they likely wouldn't be as amazing at the other ones. Um, there's limiting factors to both. I think the thing that we had to take a good hard look at was lead generation on each brand, right? So as we know, live chat is quite uh, large with just the traffic alone being in the millions of unique visits per month. So if we were to put a live chat sales rep against a help desk sales rep, even the traffic that he or she was receiving wouldn't be equal. So made the initial, um, uh, I guess, call to, to not do a focus on our products, but rather get very good at looking at the bigger problem or cause that people are coming to us to go solve and to broaden the scope of our uh, existing team's awareness, right? So that was, they all knew live chat, but now we needed to teach them chatbot, help desk and knowledge base. So you broaden the scope and this way they became much better problem solvers because each of our products solves very unique and complex problems for our customer base. So they are now able to talk across our suite, even though they're individual products. So it's, I mean, it's, it's always a process and, and, and the process is started with people and you had not only to uh, figure out a way to train and, and create, some sort of, create some sort of a process for them, but you had to find the people and you had to find people basically around the world. Uh, I mean, it's not that you were here for hiring a lot of, um, I mean, here in Poland, for hiring a lot of the people, you, you met them online and... and What were you looking into? Like, what was the main characteristic or the main skills that you were looking in, in for for in these people? Hmm. Awesome question. So, also, let me give some context as to like how we've grown. So, originally, when I came uh, on to support the the organization, there was already a couple of folks in various roles or um, with various titles on the sales organization. We had a group of account managers and we had a group of CSMs that were doing a wide array of, of different lead sources and things like that. Um, I believe the number would have been in the realm of, of seven, if I'm counting correctly, so seven folks. Um, one uh, woman went on maternity leave right when, when I, I joined, which um, she's still on maternity leave and she'll be back in, in February. But with that being said, there was kind of a Where do we go with our current folks as we start filling in the gaps? Um, we started hiring not immediately uh, because we had to kind of level set our existing team, right? It's taking that, that triage of, of who's who, what are the skills, is everyone right person, right seat type of an interaction. Um, but then after that though, we started scaling our 
general go-to-market side of the business, which was our new business team. Then we started scaling our growth team because as our new customer growth grew, the team that would go sell, upsell, cross-sell, and better equip those customers needed to grow. And then our account management team has also grown. Um, How many people do you have right now? Right now, it's a team of 11, 12. Yeah, so about double the size. Oh, wow. All right. Is that enough? Or are you still looking to um, grow the team a little bit more? We're still growing. Yeah, so... Um, we're, we're currently hiring another account manager. Um, it's a great problem to have when you have a significant amount of, uh, momentum from a larger enterprise plan, uh, and value proposition that we need more account managers to help onboard some of these amazing brands and to help equip them throughout their, their tenure. We just hired our first business development rep as an organization. She'll be starting in about two weeks now. So she'll be helping equip our new business and growth team. Hiring for our first US-based uh, sales rep right now too. So right now we have a global team. The only person on the team who's based in the United States is myself. Um, and with that also being said, we're looking for a sales manager right now, which we have a couple of really amazing candidates who will help um, coach, mentor, and further develop some of our, our sales talent here. All right. So let me stop you for a second. And um, this is a perfect time to remind everyone, if you lost your job and you're a great salesman and you're looking to do something different and something new, Go and check live chat's page and check all the open positions because working with Alex is a pleasure and the rest of the team is just amazing. Okay, but enough um, enough commercial break. Let's go back to the meat, like I say. Um, so you have a team, 12 people. You're growing. That's great. You've been training little by little. Um, what were the main blockers? What are, what are the things that made your life harder in the beginning? Um, I think the, the thing at the beginning was you, you definitely hinted a couple of minutes ago to the fact that like people are, are vital to a sales org's growth or any team's growth, actually. The other thing that's quite important though, is, is like purpose and procedure or process, right? Because I think if you just hire people to go solve a problem, it's kind of like buying a software and not really knowing how to use it, right? You just bought a bunch of software and you can't even implement it. So you really need to do both. Um, what I looked at was the previous structure of how things were going and what we tried to do slowly but surely because there was a train on the tracks. And of course, coming in as, as VP of sales, I have a revenue target. Um, I don't get six months to go relax on a beach and um, who knows where? And you don't, just say, man. Oh, we all don't do, worry. Yeah. We'll get the revenue in. I so, thought it was part of everybody's um, perks. I mean, yeah, another commercial perk. Yeah, that is one yeah. of perks. <laughs> Remote work on a beach. Um, no, but but it was quite important to keep the the previous train on the tracks and slowly but surely take little pieces of it that were working really well, move them to another train, and start building another train on a completely separate track. 
right? And that track has has the right people the right seat, has people who understand their role, where they fit into the larger picture. They're finding success because they're finally looking at their role as something that's measurable, something that they can improve on day to day. And they feel like they're receiving um, and they're getting better equipped at doing their role, both you know, ideally inside and even outside live chat. So um, that was where the initial initial focus was. It, it definitely, I think anyone coming in, whether you are starting a team from scratch or you're coming in kind of adopting a current team and trying to level set, um, what has to happen is you, I mean, there's also something here that isn't really talked to as much, but it's like trust, right? You can't possibly come in with seven people, eight people doing their own thing and day one say, hey guys, we're doing this, right? Welcome, so, welcome to live chat. I'm Alex, my way or the highway. I don't think I'd still be here, to be honest, if that was the case. And you probably <laughs> wouldn't have said the nice comments about myself if that was the case either. So you really need to build trust both with customers as well as with your own team, right? You need that internal ownership, the internal motivation, and um, then you can start implementing the change processes. Uh, I, 30, I, 60, was just, 90. I was just talking about that the other day because I'm really... When I was, oh my God, when I was younger, I didn't want to say that. When I was younger and I started going into business, uh, my my first training were about the internal customer. How you need to address the internal customer well, and they will take care of the customer after all. And, and that's it's something that companies eventually start feeling that oh, just buy them pizzas, they'll be happy and and that's it, right? And And... And they forgot that is so much more. Is that like, the, like you said, trainings and and motivation and purpose and and, and all these things that they make people really really take um, ownership of what they're doing. And with that being said, I want to throw one of the questions because it, it relates a lot with what you were just saying. Um, actually, they, we're getting really interesting questions, man. So you better get ready. Uh, a question from Veronica. Do you think sales automation could replace salespeople? Oh, no, <laughs> no, I, I don't, Veronica. Um, I don't think I'll ever be out of a job due to a machine. I, I think, I mean, even just reading my, my LinkedIn or even posts I've, I've done or anything like that, like there, there's a human side of to things. Um, and I, I also think that um, machines help bring out the, or can bring out the best in you. It can also bring out the worst in you, right? I think all of us have received the email, which is, hi, first name. So, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> great first impression. Um, or, hi, live person, which I received yesterday. Um, nice. By the way, this is live chat. That's uh, yeah. in case anyone wants to know. Um, so, yeah, referencing someone's competitor on an email, it's not like the best thing to do. But <laughs> I think there's a way for technology to make us more efficient, productive, focused, they can be like the arrows in our quiver. I do not think uh, technology is ever going to be the thing to to help a business really, really grow. Um, I mean, Veronica, we have a really unique story here at Live Chat where the company grew from product-led growth without an actual sales org. Uh, I haven't met that many organizations that have had the opportunity or the focus and the dedication to do that. 
However, I think until recently, the organization hadn't reached some financial milestones as well as some customer acquisition milestones that I don't think would have occurred if we didn't talk to that customer and there wasn't a human connection. Because I don't know about you, but the last time I went through a bant on a chatbot, it, I didn't tell that chatbot my real pains. Nobody, chatbots are, are a bit harder. And I don't want to talk bad because I love our, our chatbot team and product. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you connect with people and the chatbot is there to, to help, to help you. And I, I believe it's, it's a great com complement to what you have. So exactly it can it can find out or get you more comfortable where which what you want to say but then it's a person who's going to close the deal and and before we, we move forward is another great question that came so you you've been training the team into finding out new ways we we started a whole uh basically outreaching uh outbound uh strategy that we didn't have before we didn't we weren't really calling people before as much we were just receiving uh customers which is great but we needed to grow, like you said. Um, so going to that point, the question goes as, what are some of the secret tricks live chat reps have up their sleeves for their discovery calls? I And, and that's, is, without trying to give away what's our secret sauce, <laughs> what, is, what is it that you feel that is, 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 it has to be in every discovery call? When, when the first like, Hi, this is Marcus from Live Chat. Oh, damn it, what should I say? What is the first thing that you recommend your team to say? Uh, what is the first thing I recommend my team to say? So, I mean, there's no secret sauce. Um, I hope that's not a shock to anybody. However, it doesn't matter what product you sell. Um, firstly, I hope you're, you're excited about the product you sell excited enough to talk about that product. Um, but also you are emotionally intelligent to shut up about your product. Sounds really weird to say that, but the best discovery calls are the act of discovering. The more I talk about myself, I'm not discovering, I'm sharing. So uh, it goes back to how I think a machine wouldn't be able to replace a, a sales process. You know, I think honestly uncovering that, that primary question, which is usually something you're going to read, which is like budget authority, need timeline or a medic methodology or whatever you want to do. Those are great. Like, you know, Hey, Marcos, what's the last technology you purchased? Oh, Eloqua. Wonderful. Move on to the next question. Checkbox. That's not a discovery. That's an interrogation. Um, Sure. The best discoveries are the ones that don't feel like a sales process. They feel like a connection. And I have that with you by forgetting about my checklist of all the little ticks I need to make to make sure this is a qualified opportunity. And I dig into the details. So if you tell me about a problem, I'm actively listening to what you're, you're saying to me and I'm adjusting my path along the way. So it's kind you of similar You don't believe in... You don't believe in scripts, like having a, a sales script, like, hi, my name is, I'm calling you from live chat just to offer you, I mean, it's very old school, but. I, so actually I'm not against scripts. I think you, you need to, you need to start someplace, frankly. And 
I started with scripts. I started rehearsing scripts in the mirror when I was really young into calling from a fundraising perspective, especially on behalf of a charity. Um, however, the point of a script and you don't see an actor get on a film and ever have a piece of paper in front of them. So I think the best sales professionals are the ones that treat it as a profession and they practice and they practice until it's second nature. And being able to go from that script to what I would kind of refer to as a, a snippet, or if we want to relate it to a live chat product functionality, a canned response, I think that's a really great opportunity. Um, the best discovery calls are the ones, in my humble opinion, which I coach my, my team on, where it's a, it's a treasure map. And frankly, you're, you're starting off someplace. You know the endpoint, but you have no idea how you're going to get there. You have little milestones along the way. You have some ups, downs. However, you can't possibly know the exact trajectory, right? Because a sales process shouldn't be feeling like you're leading them down something. You should be walking together with them. It's very different. That's uh, very wise, I have to say. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, because you're taking an approach that is very human. And I think this is something we mentioned um, in our previous uh, time together about, about the H to H, right? Like about connecting people to people, not positions to salesmen or, or decision makers or whatever. It's after all, it's a, it's a person with certain issues with certain problems that they want to solve, they want to go home earlier, they want to make more money or whatever. And, and you appeal to the humanity behind the position, I guess. That being said, that humanity also goes for teams. And going back to you putting together a team and to a question that um, Veronica also asked, um, do you take into account personalities? And do you think personality tests to make sure that your team is going to sort of perform well together, like the Gallup tests or whatever, do you think it, it, it's, it's an important tool or is a useful tool for creating a, a, a sales team or any team? That's an awesome question. I was talking to a candidate yesterday about that. Um, he had been doing a couple of other uh, candidate processes actually, and he just took a personality test and he asked if it was part of our, our candidate process at this time, which it's not actually. Uh, and I should say it's not yet because there will be a time for it. Um, and it's really interesting question, Veronica, because it's something where I have taken personality tests to improve myself, right? And I really like to look at my personality from where are my blind spots? Um, I've done personality tests internally with other orgs I've helped lead or, or develop where it really helps form collaboration. It really helps break down barriers to communication when you understand why someone reacts the way they do to a comment or approach things. You know, there's a couple of exercises which it's, um, it's more about the communication, your color communication, right? I'm a blue, red green or, um, or yellow, I think it is. And the way you react is also different than the way you, you listen and, and all this stuff. But if I go back to the original question, 
we at Live Chat released a Live Chat constitution and it has a mission, a vision, values, and it really paints an awesome picture of our previous tenure as a company and where we're going as a company. Um, we have 175 amazing individuals at our company, plus or minus a couple. And there will be, so if we put that in perspective, we have roughly 11 or 12 on the sales team. Each person you add to the team adds a complexity of personality, strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities, essentially. I would say when an organization gets to the span of each unit within the team has 10 or more folks, um, it actually behooves the organization to be doing a personality test, firstly, of the internal stakeholders, right? What is our current state? Going back to that triage of how are we cooperating? How can we work better together? But then also, um, I believe in personality tests to help see how could this person possibly be, um, behave with the other people, not in like a playground type of thing, but rather a... Um, a setting where there's only so much you can get from role plays, spending time with you, Marcos, over the course of you know five, six interviews. It's the reason why I would say there's a place and a time for a personality test is because I am the type of leader that believes very heavily in investing in my org and my team. And it's to benefit them to make sure we have like-minded also different individuals with different backgrounds, appreciations, ways of thinking to come to the table. However, something that's not always the best is when you hire one person out of nine who is on every spectrum is 180 degree difference from you. You're not doing a benefit to them and you're not doing no, a benefit to your, you, your other exactly. team. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, personality tests can be really beneficial uh, in taking two in my own candidate process, one thing I'll say to any company out there that does it, if we do it, I will make sure to share the personality results with the individual. I've taken personality tests twice in uh, recruiting processes and the company would never share the results with me. So they'll just say, no, sorry. Just don't share the results external. And it, that doesn't make you feel very welcomed. Um, so if, if I hear that, I'll my feel, I feel like I'm crazy. You know, I'm like, oh, sorry, man. No, but, but why? Yeah. Sorry, we can't right. even tell you that you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. I also believe that a personality test, um, some orgs will say like, this doesn't, there's no right or wrong answer. That makes you really double think yourself. Um, so to give you a, I, I, idea of this, I took a personality test after my second interview with them. So super early in the interview process. I actually believe that using a personality test after a role play, maybe after a presentation to really identify how this person is going to cooperate would be a much better understanding because you've at least had some behavioral settings before that versus using it as a, a leading factor to say yay or nay. I think you can actually say no to people who are of tremendous value to your organization if you do it too early. But the, yeah, that's because I remember every at least uh, in in South America, <clears throat> um, 
the, the personality tests are, are a common thing. Even before getting to talk to the company, you'll have like a pre-selection with a psychologist. It's like, all right, going through, which, I mean, literally, I don't remember how many times I did the Rorschach uh, test or that kind of stuff. And, but it's useful because, I mean, you, if you need to know if someone's going to be um, reacting badly to no, like to hear negative answers, because you will. I mean, if you're a salesperson, damn it, you're going to hear a lot of that. That and do. that accumulates. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's, that start getting you back. And even if, even if you don't react at the moment, eventually like it will pay off. It will, it will, I mean, sorry, it will, it will get you back. Right. It will, it will affect you in many ways. So I, would, I definitely agree with you. And personality is something that companies and, and especially small companies, they should take into consideration. I mean, a lot of it, Oh, I just hire with the guts. Well, maybe you should try something a little extra. Just ask a few questions and, and that being said, um, personality-wise, what, what are the, let's say, three things, and this is um, a question from Cuba online, what are the three things that you look in a salesperson? Like, what are three personality or three skills that you think they're very important for a salesperson to have? There's no right or wrong question, uh, answer, no <laughs> Yeah, similar to that personality test, right? <laughs> uh, no, I mean... Uh, um, I, I was trying to think of what I just shared actually internally with my team, um, our team. So the, the first one would be um, emotional intelligence. So it's something I did. I was the most emotionally unintelligent person eight years ago. Like, really unintelligent. <laughs> um, fully admit it. I would let the, and why I say that is like emotional intelligence, the way I would describe it is like you, you not only know where you are in an emotional thermometer at any given time, but you're, you can separate the emotion from the goal. And until you can do that, uh, and I think it's just a tremendous thing that I'm not, a pro at either like it's something that takes a lot of mental capacity to make sure that I'm improving in this all the time but it's something where I think when you can when you can be here no on a call and not have that affect your tone not have that negatively affect your body language and not have that come off as well f you no you'd be amazed at what can happen Right. I mean, um, you know, they say silence is uh, like it can be power on a call, frankly, because no one is comfortable with silence. But it's really difficult to sit that way when you're not able to gauge a room or gauge how you are being read by other people, too. So I definitely say emotional intelligence. There's a number of books that we could put up after this uh, that I recommend. The, the other two skills, I guess I'd, I'd say would be um, somebody who is able to, um, how would I frame it? Someone who is goal, like, I hate the word goal oriented. Let me, and that, I was going to say that sounds very cliche, man. 
super cliche. Um, someone who's like a goal scientist or something, someone who's a mad scientist when it comes to goals. And what I really mean by that is there are so many people who, who put up like a, a big goal and they go hit it. But I think it takes a tremendous amount of knowing yourself, knowing how to approach things to actually set yourself up for success for that goal and to walk in every single day and know how you're doing toward that trajectory and to know when to reset, when to stop, when not to, when to double down. And that's a really hard thing to understand uh, early on in a lot of people's careers is it's, hey, I'm, I'm going this way because I'm going this way, right? And I actually think that you, you need to be uh, diligent enough to, to know where you're headed to be able to be flexible. The last um, trait, I guess I would say, is back to the discovery call. I mean, the discovery call is one call. However, you should never stop discovering. So it definitely comes down to like active listening. I mean, if you sit down with those friends, that one friend you might have who always talks about themselves, how enjoyable is that? <laughs> it's not. I'll tell you that. Um, or and there's so many salespeople out there who who love to talk about themselves. And again, it's not something that's easy to stop talking and to start listening. So I would say if you can practice active listening, which means as a question's asked, you can respond with a question, you can dig into the details and you're really uh, curious. I mean, I think that that is a really amazing trait to work on, curiosity. Well, you're getting a lot of praise in the chat about admitting your um, your flaws too, because um, that's, that's a very hard thing to do. I mean, it's it's not that anyone can say like, yeah, you just suck at this or or I used to struggle at that, but um, I mean, good on you, man. Good on you. Uh, and uh, Miguel asked a question about that too. It's like, um, um, is any book or educational material that you recommend for someone to prepare into this future of, of becoming a, a more rational and more efficient problem solver? Is any anything that, that worked for you? Sure. I got 40 something right here. Um, <laughs> so there are... Um, because if they I, ask I me about book. they ask me about books, I always recommend just one book, which is The Little Prince. That's the only okay. book I recommend to everybody, doesn't matter what. But it's my thing. Mm. I mean, my uh, my mother in law would would crack up at this, but I guess I can recommend like Bedtime Buddha. That's something that we've been reading to my son. My son's six months, by the way, seven months. Um, so we could also talk about how I've been a father for the first time and a uh, <laughs> sales leader. Yeah, that's been easy, man. But, um, but no, seriously, so from a book perspective, I wrote a, a post about this and I really, really mean it that I think that there are, there's so much literature about sales that is super tactical. It's like how to write the best emails, how to do this, how to do that. And then there, there are script books where you can literally go get cold call scripts. And I think that there's, there's a real missing uh, factor to this, which helps younger sales professionals expand their knowledge and to 
literally act more human. And that is to get out of the sales genre and to go look at uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Simon Sinek, you name it. Like literally the book Start With Why I read 10 years ago. And I was one of the first people to join Simon Sinek's Why course. And that has always made me super, super curious. And I would say that it's those types of books that I would double down on. Um, the sales knowledge is great. However, when you take this external resource and you go pair it with a uh, sales specific um, book, like maybe gap selling or um, spin selling or anything like that, you're gonna be so much better and so much more well-equipped to handle yourself. That's awesome, so, brother. I'll throw some up. I, I'm, I'm sure, um, I'll make sure we put some links to the books that you just recommended so um, people can get to see those. Um, I wanted to go back when I used to be in sales because um, I wanted to move into this territory now. Um, it was all about commissions, right? Uh, that was the thing that will move people. It was like, we'll pay you not too much, just enough so, for you to survive. But if you hit one or two deals, damn, you'll be a rich man. I mean, and there are movies about it, right? Like if you look, I think it was the big deal when um, the, 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 the whole mortgage business, they, they will just give mortgage to everybody, which is we're making money out of it, right? So why not? Yep. Uh, but now the things have changed. People somehow are looking for better ways to motivate themselves and, and leaders like you are also looking for better ways to motivate their team. So how you motivate people without having to go for money? So it's not, it's just, I mean, yeah, money always helps and for sure I'll give you a little push, but how you motivate a, a sales team beside money? How, how can you give them more purpose and, and, and an internal motivation that is not guided by their pocket? Mm. Mm, good question. Um, and now I'm yeah, not I mean, talking only about live chat, right? Uh, just no, go beyond know. beyond live chat. If, if you have whatever you can have as a resource, what what is it yeah. that you do? There are, well, <laughs> firstly, anyone who's been through our our recruiting process, I've been quite. And I try to be as open as possible with people, frankly. And yeah, if you go through our interview process and we talk, then I'll tell you about more of my weaknesses. Um, but I guess where I'm going with this is there, there are people who, who care about money and make that what defines them. And there are people who say they don't care about money. And I guess they, they really do to some degree, right? And it's something that is more of a lagging feature, but it doesn't, it's not their why. It's not the money. That's the result of what, what they're doing. Um, and I, I'm going to this because I think it's funny. I had a, one of the, the interviews in person when I was in Poland for five or six days when I was interviewing for the role I'm here talking to you about. Um, I told our chief executive team that yeah, I'm not in sales for money. And I think that right away put me on like a do not hire list. Uh, like what VP of sales is not in sales for money. And yeah, that's a dangerous thing to say in an interview. That, yeah. Yeah. That, I would, but I was being honest though. Like I, I'm yeah. not, I'm in sales for people and I'm in sales for the fact that there's a huge impact and the fact that I can solve problems every single day. 
and the fact that I'm here to help expand a market and expand a product or products, plural, which will then cause a tremendous amount of revenue. But that's not why I'm here, firstly, right? There's a lot more going to this than just the money. I think you can get completely sidetracked by focusing on the, the end result. You really need to focus on what's before the end result. Um, but when I go back to the motivation, which is the part of this question, I'd stay fiscally focused here just because there's probably a lot of account executives. I'll make this assumption. Maybe it's wrong of me to say this, but there could be, as I felt this way before, a separation between what I was told as on-track earnings and what I received, right? So I am, I wasn't gold by, I wasn't driven to the company by money, but that was one of the factors I weighed to join the company. And when you talk about motivation though, there's nothing more demotivating than being promised something and not getting it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a huge market separation between what the OTE is in the role, job description, <clears throat> and the interview process, and what's reality, right? Um, and one thing I'd say, anyone looking for a job right now, please ask for how they came up with the OTE, right? Like, what do you literally need to do to go hit that number? Because I think that those are the things you need to look at. Um, our team didn't get better because I gave them a bigger number. I, they got better because I'm investing in them as much as I humanly can. Um, it's something where our company in general invests quite heavily in, in our employees and we want to make sure that we bring out the best in them. And I think that that's what leaders can do, frankly. You know, I think um, it's been very interesting being a leader through COVID. I think there's that side of it, right? Which is the stress of my house, my family, my finances. Then there's the occupation side of it too. And um, there, there really needs to be a connection between both to make your team successful and you need to care about it. Now that you mentioned um, COVID, which is not something I really want to talk too much about it because there's there's enough people there are enough people talking about that right now. There's but um, I need yeah, but I need to ask you anyways. Like, how, did you see any any big effect on the way that they again at, at the people's level, right? Like, in the way oh my god they were scared, so I don't want to work anymore, or um, anything that you saw that affected the team heavily or or in a, in a very impactful way. Um, I think the thing that's most challenging for, I mean, it's for a lot of people, I don't think they'll, they'll admit it, but it comes down to, um, to time management. And I think that for anyone who had not had tremendous experience working remotely, meaning no one told them to beat their desk at 9am because there was no desk anymore that could be a literal challenge, right? Is to make sure that you're getting what you need done to be successful. And um, I, in a lot of teams that I also spoke, I've spoken with over the past couple months, like it's, it's so easy to work 24 seven because what else is there to do? But um, I think that there's a real need and there's going to be continuance need for that uh that mental health side of the occupation as well as 
the performance. There's a question I asked you uh, on our first podcast together about the cultural differences, right? You're a Bostonian, you um, born and raised, right? Are you born and raised in Boston? Cape Cod, yeah. Right. I wouldn't say Boston. All right. Um, the big differences, right? When we talked last time, you, you knew there were differences here and there. And um, I don't want to put you in the, in, the bad, um, <laughs> in the spotlight either, but how much it really affects uh, you as a leader to lead a team that is culturally different? Um, we all assume that we're all, just because we all, we were all, I don't know, we grew up with McDonald's or, or we watch the same cartoons, we're the same, but we're not. I mean, and I, I notice it. I mean, I'm, I'm very different from what you are and from uh, people here in Poland and, and we all very different cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, even though we have a lot of commonalities as well, but um, what are, the, how was that, that, that trip? How was the trip of like finding the cultural differences, not only between you and the team, but also in the way the team will address customers. Because after all, uh, Lifetime invests a lot into reaching deeply into the American market. So we, we, we have a, a mini clash of cultures here. How was that experience? Um, I'm always learning something new. That, that's one way to answer it. Uh, and that was one of the main factors in deciding to join live chat actually was was the culture frankly and the ever-evolving culture because it's a global company with global customer base i think that's really really neat um i mean there's some subtle differences where i guess i get laughed at when i say happy monday or happy friday um i was just joking with another us-based sales rep in our interview process about that a couple of days ago. And he's like, oh yeah, that's totally, at least it's one of the things he said to me because it was Monday and he said, happy Monday. I was like, that's so funny because I just got laughed at by my team when I did that on a standup. I'm like, why would it be happy? Like, why not? <laughs> it's Monday, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but beyond like those Saturdays, I guess I'd say um, There aren't a tremendous amount of, of differences, to be honest. I mean, there's, um, sure, there's something where to some degree, I wasn't as used to people being as direct as they are um, in Poland, to be honest. I think that that's a very maybe stoic way to do it. And I maybe my take on, um, on folks I've worked with in the Americas has been much more emotional, I guess you could just say. Um, I, but beyond like these things, I mean, the, it's not yin and yang by any means. It's like, we're, we're one people. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton of, um, my jokes don't land in English, let alone Polish. So <laughs> Well, that's a yeah. you problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that is a very me problem. No, it's my wife's problem, actually. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, but I, I feel you because I'm. I mean, one of the things I was shocked um, when I when I moved to Poland it was to uh, to see them. I remember uh, this this happened, right? So I had a I had a customer in the phone, and they were asking for some features for for a software, and I had the dev next to me. He's like, okay, he's asking for these things. Like, and he's like, give it to me. Sure. So I give the phone to the dev and he's like, no, we can't do that. Okay, give me the phone back. I'm like, 
oh my god you say no to a customer man i, I was freaking out about it but then eventually you learn like that and this is one of the things i i, I really appreciate now is that how this direct and not uh bullshitting your customer that yeah we can do whatever you want like customers always right no it's, it's it's something that i really appreciate from our team it's just they'll be super honest like you know what sorry we we can't do that for you um you can find another brand that can if in yeah. case that you can't do it or or they will say look if you give us time we'll try to figure out a way to do it and that's something i i wasn't very um i haven't seen that too too often before but i i, I learned that wow it's it's a great way to do business is to just to be super honest and and again it's it's one of the cultural things that i really shocked me a bit in the beginning um yeah i'd say that struck me too i i think that um yeah there's just like some some directness which is just innate nature uh, I, i think it'd be funny to pose this question to um you know some folks on our team for instance we have we have a gentleman our latest guy who who joined our team his name's robert and he's from australia but he lives in poland right so i'm that'd be a really good question i don't currently live in poland right so i think that if i had more of an opportunity i've only been there for six weeks or even less i think that's when i'll be able to come up with some differences however shrimp house is oh, yeah. amazing I have to and agree with that. That is the <laughs> worst difference that I wish we had shrimp house here in Boston. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's cultural difference is one thing, right? Uh, but um, generational differences, if you want to call it that way. And 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 I'm going this week because someone asked online about generations that like the Zoomers, um, they're getting into business already. And these are the kind of people that you were talking before that they are very detached from money or detached from things that half generation before, not even a full generation, just half generation before they were like completely different. They wanted different things. They, they we're talking about, for example, me, all I wanted to do is just have a house, have a car and, and I'm happy, but People now want different things. Like the younger generations, they want different things. And 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 mm-hmm. how do you deal with that in the sales team? Because you have you're gonna have different people, and it it touches a little bit too from on the motivational side. You have to address different things into different to different personalities. But you don't really eventually, as a leader, you don't really have the time to get to know everybody on your team and know exactly what they know or what they want. Sorry. So how how do you manage the to, to deal with different people and in, in this level? That's a good question. Another great question for another stakeholder on the sales team who is, um, well, I don't want to say his age because he might get <laughs> mad, but you guys... he, he's older than he looks. I'm going to say that. And he's, he's older than I ever assumed he was, and he's. He's, he's probably around my 40. age, man. I'm, 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 I'm on the on, on that area, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I put it in perspective because we have a very young team, and then we have uh, a couple of older folks, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. I'd say, um, and I'm also the kind of leader that age seriously takes no. 
no precedent on me hiring or not hiring. Neither does sex, neither does race, background, ethnicity. It's about drive and it's about cooperation and it's about like, what are you gonna do to execute? That's that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, I, I think the other reason why I think it's really funny, I mean, this, this individual, um, I never thought he was as old as he is because he just acts, he's like nonstop. He just gets to work and he works throughout the day. And I'm, I just had a different assumption. Um, I thought he was younger than anyone else, to be honest. And at the end of the day, I would say, um, what's more important than understanding age and separation like that, it's understanding what do, what do these people care about and what are their individual motivators? So that way you can try to tie it together to make a team motivator. Um, because yes, there are, there are people who will be givers on your team. There'll be people who will be takers on your team. You can't coach people who are takers the same way as givers. And you, you, there's no sense in changing them either. There's a sense in trying to cooperate, collaborate with them and making them feel like they're at home. So, you know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, same reason why, you know, being in Poland together right now doesn't matter either. It's, it's just another thing that's separating us. Yeah, exactly. Especially now, man. I mean, nowadays there's a lot of things separating people. So, all right, brother. So to close um, our episode today, I just want to ask you, uh, uh, maybe I, I don't want to say a generic question, but <laughs> the future, what is the future bringing to sales? Do you see it changing, um, especially after everything? I don't want to say the new normal, but with the new normal or with everything happening around or with the technology that is catching up with us, what's, how do you see the future of sales? Um, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I guess from like a B2B SaaS standpoint, Um, I, I think there is, there's definitely a change when it comes to the, uh, the old or view of like predictable revenue, right? So we're going to hire these amount of business development reps to feed this amount of AEs to feed this amount of folks. Um, that whole thing had was predicated on the fact that they'd make this amount of dials, they send this amount of emails and this was their campaign and it was all about execution um, from a quantity standpoint. And I think that either there was, or there is currently we're hitting a saturation point. Like um, I, I think we're going to have a rebound of instead of the business development role or the sales role being predicated on how much quantity are you doing? It's going to be how much quality you're doing, which frankly, is an excuse for technology to come in and help enable a sales org so they can do what's important, which is to relate, to think like about um, being personalized, about putting meaning in the message, about the when, where, why, and how. And um, yeah, so I think that there's, and at least my hope is that I can stop getting emails which are the same template from a different company a hundred times a week, right? I think we're 
we're making a shift there. I'd also say market-wise, um, there's been there's been folks who are saying that like lead to response time doesn't matter. So if you submit an inbound form, um, it's it's actually worse to call them right away. So if you, Marcos, said, hey, I want to learn about live chat and pick up the phone and call you right away, that used to be speed to lead, right? Super important. There's been some folks who have talked about how that's actually detrimental to the deal and you need to wait. Um, that sounds like, don't I, answer, you don't, don't look needy. I agree with either, right? I actually think that you can't, there's one thing you can't control and that's the person that you're selling to, right? Or you're providing services to. He or she, you have no idea how they want to be told, you know, they want that speed to lead. And I, I honestly think that's where coming in with a very inquisitive, mission-driven, uh, a we instead of I uh, perspective is going to be really, really important. The future of sales, um, I mean, the future of commerce it, in general is, I mean, we now have masks in public separating our some of our most important facial like emotional features, which is our mouth, right? So I'd say there's so much room to grow as as individuals to be able to better interact, communicate, and um, yeah, and, and prosper together. And that there's going to be changes in the way that even our own product helps companies enable their conversations to the way that people actually use language to communicate. So everything's changing. That's cool. for sure. Cool. Man. Well, um, we're going to cut it for today. Uh, we're probably going to have you next year just to see what happened in this <laughs> extra year that just you got. Just an annual um, thing. Like, yeah. Christmas exactly. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to keep checking on, on what's happening with it, with live chat and their sales team. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Um, and thank you everybody for watching. If you learned something today, make sure you like this video, subscribe to our channel. And if you're listening to our podcast, make sure you, um, oh, sorry, if you like podcasts, go and check our podcast in, um, in the Apple Store and Amazon and Google, whatever you want to find. Oh, Spotify is a big one. So thanks again, Alex. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And this was Incoming Chat. Cheers. Cheers.